0: You are listening to a message from Foothills Church in Mirable, Tennessee. More information about Foothills Church can be found online at foothillschurch.com. All
1: right, that sugar is active this morning. Well, hey, happy Thanksgiving. Glad you guys are here uh, this morning. Uh, one of the things that kind of makes up Thanksgiving and, and is just kind of common around this time of the year is that everyone is getting sick. Like I'm hearing cough right now, right? So we hear sniffles, coughing, itchy throats. And and here's the deal, if you have kids, you know that schools are basically giant Petri dishes for diseases to grow, right? That's kind of how it works and all these things, these sicknesses grow and germs and snot and all this stuff. It gets passed around from kid to kid. And, And so what happens? So our kids come home sick, and they bless us with their germs as well, right? So now we're sick all in time for Thanksgiving, right? It is the time of giving our sicknesses to our grandparents, right? And so they come in, happy Thanksgiving. You know, at least it was until my kid gave you the flu. And now we're all sick. And so this is what we have this, this time of the year. And so then what do we do? Well, we all, we go to the doctor. And you know, you sit there in this, Crazy line of people, and eventually the doctor sees you and he says, Here's your diagnosis, here's what's wrong with you. It's the same thing that's wrong with everybody else, and so he gives you a prescription or whatever. It is. And, and here's the deal. This is kind of what James is doing in this passage of Scripture. He's, he's looking at this group of Christians and he's, he's giving a diagnosis of what's wrong with their faith, what's, what's wrong with their Christian life. And he, he's going to ultimately say his diagnosis, and this is kind of the point, the, the focus of our sermon, is that they are hearers and not doers. They're hearers of God's word, but they're not doing anything with it. And as a result, they're spiritually sick. And I think that if James were here this morning, he would give us... The same diagnosis. And so we need to hear what, what God's word says because James gives us some warnings about how not to live. And then he gives us some, some very clear, practical uh, commandments, really guidance on how we can live uh, a life that actually accomplishes the purpose, the purpose that Christ has called us to, that actually is spiritually healthy and experiences the blessing of God and ultimately a life that makes some noise for those in need. And so we're gonna be looking at James. If you have your Bibles, open up to James chapter one. We'll start at verse 22 and go through verse 27. But before we jump in, uh, let's pray for God's blessing on this time. Father, we are thankful for the fact that we are able to gather together to publicly worship Jesus Christ as King and to open his word. And Father, we know that your word says that the scriptures, the word of God are like a mirror they reveal the truth that's in our hearts and in our lives. And so, Father, I pray that through your spirit this morning, that your word would have that effect upon us. Father, that we would see through your word areas and issues and sin in our life and that, that Lord, we would not just hear or see that, but it would lead us to point of action of actually doing something with it. And so Father, we know that in order for all of that to happen, I can't make that happen. Your spirit has to make that happen. So we pray God that you would do that and God that you would be honored and glorified through this time. It's in Christ's name that we pray. Amen. Well, this this life that Paul calls us to, right, is, is something that, that we see very clearly in James chapter one, and it's a life that makes some noise for those in need. And so if we are to apply this word to our lives, there's certain things that we're going to have to do. And the first thing that we see that James calls us to do is that we must not deceive ourselves by hearing and not doing. We must not deceive ourselves by hearing and not doing. We see this. in verse 22 be doers of the word and not hearers only deceiving yourselves now I think that if we're honest Christians today are probably in as as much risk of simply hearing the word and not doing anything about it out of, of any time in history Because we have constant access to preaching and teaching on God's word. I mean, think about it. You can can come Sunday morning, hear sermons preached. Then you can go into your car on your iPod and listen to podcasts or listen to sermons. You can pull up your laptop computer at any moment and watch a preacher or a teacher or a Bible study. Literally, you could listen to preaching and teaching about the Bible without stop all week long. Right? There's so much access through technology to preaching and teaching to information. And honestly, I'm thankful for that. Right? I'm thankful for the resources that we have, uh, the exposure that we have to good teaching and preaching of Scripture. But can, it can also be a very dangerous thing. Because we can actually begin to think that, that as we take in more information... As we go through this Bible study or hear this sermon and we keep on growing in our knowledge, we can actually think that we are being godly. Right? We can actually think that, that we are accomplishing the purpose of our faith simply by knowing what God's word says, even if we're not doing it. Right? We, we can think that we are accomplishing the purpose that, that we have a healthy spiritual life when really all we're doing is just consuming and never actually turning that into action. And this is a very dangerous thing. And James says that we are deceiving ourselves if we think that we're healthy when all we're doing is consuming. It's like, it's like an illustration of, of food. And I know around Thanksgiving, food is something that's on all of our minds and, and our bellies right now. Uh, and and what, what the reality is of food is that its purpose well, I realize this is hard to, to swallow, its purpose is not just to taste good, right? And I know that's hard to believe, but scientists would say that the purpose of food is not just to taste good or make us feel good, but ultimately the purpose of food is to fuel action, right? It's to enable us to, it's enable our muscles and our bones to be healthy and our bodies to move and us to be able to get up and, and do activity, right? That's the purpose of food. But if you miss that and and you just focus on the taste and consuming food, what'll happen is over time, if you're just consuming food and not doing anything, and we've seen shows, reality shows and things about this, you will just continue to get more and more unhealthy to the point that you can't even get up off the couch to get more food, right? You, You just get so unhealthy and so overweight that you're not even able to act. And what I think we can happen in our lives is that spiritually, we can consume and consume and consume and never act. And we end up in a very unhealthy spiritual place because all we do is take the word in and never actually do the activity or the acts of obedience that we are intended to do. And I think, I mean, let's be honest, like we can, we, we experience this. So we can, we can sit through a sermon, or we can go to a Bible study or read a book and we can feel convicted, right? We can listen and and maybe even we're underlining things or or maybe even uh, making notes if we're really spiritual and then we'll walk out the door and nothing really changes about our lives. We don't actually do anything what we've heard and what we've listened to, but we feel like we've accomplished something just because we've heard the information. And what James says is that if that's your mindset, if you think you've accomplished something just by hearing, then you are missing the whole point and ultimately you are deceiving yourself. And so that's a danger that we have to be aware of in our context today. But the next point that we see is, is that we must, dis- we must not destroy ourselves by ignoring what we see. Not only must we not deceive ourselves, we must not destroy ourselves by ignoring what we see. And this comes out of verse 23. For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like a man who looks intently into his natural face in a mirror. For he looks at himself and goes away and at once forgets what he was like. Now, James kind of gives a a almost silly illustration, but if you can imagine what what he's saying, is he's saying, Imagine a person who walks into a bathroom and they, they look at themselves in a mirror and they see something that's out of place. So maybe, maybe for a guy, you see that you missed a spot shaving or, or maybe for a lady, you see that your makeup is kind of smeared or you got lipstick on your teeth or, or maybe if you're a kid, you, you look and you see your hair, hair's all sticking up on one side because you just rolled out of bed, right? You see that something's wrong, that something's out of place, but then you just turn around and walk out of the bathroom. And and never actually fix it, never actually do anything with what you saw. And he says, spiritually, this is what we can do so often. right? We can see these things, it it can be revealed to us. In in fact, uh, the scripture says in Hebrews 4.12, that the word of God is like a mirror. And that when we read the word of God or when we hear the word of God preached, it's like a mirror that, that shines upon us and we see our reflection in it. And it exposes sinfulness. It exposes the thoughts and the intentions of our heart and it, it reveals what's wrong and areas we need to address. It, it shows us that there's greed in our heart. Right? We hear a sermon or we read scripture and it shows us that that there's lust in our heart or it shows us that, that there's pride in our heart and we see these reflections of ourselves, but then we walk away and don't actually do anything about it. And I think there's two primary ways that, that, that we do this. The first is uh, when we see this or when we, when we hear the word preached and it's an area that we know is addressing sin in our lives or maybe we read a scripture or a book and we know it's addressing something in our lives. The first way that we respond to it is, is we begin to convince ourselves that this problem is really not that big of a deal in our lives, but we do know people who it is a big deal in, right? We we can quickly begin to think, man, if only James was here, right? If only Bob man, man, this is something that, that they need to deal with in their lives because they are messed up, right? And we begin to to ignore our own issues and compare ourselves and point. What we're actually reading and learning to other people—it's like an old lady who walked up to a, a preacher after a sermon one Sunday, and she shook his hand and she said, "Pastor, I just want you to know that was a phenomenal sermon. Everything that you said applies to someone I know." Anybody ever been there? If we're honest, man, everything he said applies to somebody I know, right? And what happens is we justify ourselves, we point to other people, and in the end, we walk away from the mirror and never do anything about what we see. The second way that I think we, we can deal with this, see the truth of ourselves and our hearts and our lives in the mirror of scripture and actually do nothing about it is that, that honestly, it's just not that big of a deal to us. Right, like, like we see it and we think, okay, that's good, that's sin, I need, you know, but it's not that important to us. It's not that it's so much an issue of memory, but it's an issue of priority. There's, there's other things in our lives that are more important. We have, we have a career to pursue, right? We have a family to take care of. And all of these things are, are, are really important to us. And, and the word of God, yeah, it's, it's good and fine, but it doesn't really lead us to take action because so many other things are, are more of a priority in our lives. It's like a kid. So I've got a four-year-old son named Judson. And... Often, uh, I will walk into a room and he's got toys everywhere, right? Just all over the place. And, and I'll say, Judd, you need to pick up your toys. <clears throat> and, and I'll leave the room. And then when I come back, what, what, what does it look like? So this is the exact same, right? He's playing with his toys. And I'll say, Judd, I, I told you to pick up your toys. And what does he say? I forgot. <laughs> Now, the issue is not that my son has early onset memory loss. I don't need to take my son to see a doctor. It's an issue of priority, right? It was a bigger deal for him to keep playing with his toys than to do what I said. And so he just ignores it or forgot and goes on about his business. And I think the same thing is true for so many of us in our spiritual lives. We hear it. We see what we need to do but it gets drowned out by the other things in our lives that are more of a priority. And so we walk away from the mirror and never fix what we saw. The issue is the problem with this, whether it's that we look and, and try to point it towards other people and ignore it in our own lives, or, or, or if we just don't make it a priority, the problem is just by ignoring it, doesn't make it go away, right? Just by kind of pushing it out of our minds and not dealing with it, it, it doesn't go away. It's like. If, if you get the news that you have a tumor that's cancerous. Now that's uncomfortable news to get and many of us maybe have had family members or experienced that very difficult reality in our own lives. If we just ignore that news and, and choose to do nothing about it, what happens? It continues to grow and it makes us more and more sick and ultimately it will kill us. And, and that's the reality of, of ignoring the conviction or, or the commands of Christ that we just choose not to deal with is, is that the sin in our hearts, the sin that's revealed, it doesn't just go away, but it continues to grow and it makes us more and more sick and ultimately it will destroy us. Right, ignoring sin just just leads our heart to grow more calloused and we begin to accept more and more sin into our lives and and ultimately it destroys us. It it destroys our relationships, right? And it keeps us from experiencing the life of, of joy and peace and purpose that Christ has called us to. Simply ignoring what we see ultimately leads to our own destruction. So we must not deceive ourselves by hearing and not doing, We must not destroy ourselves by ignoring what we see. But the third point is that we must devote ourselves to doing what God's word says. We must devote ourselves to doing what God's word says. And we pick this up in verse 25. But the one who looks into the perfect law, the law of liberty, and perseveres, being no hearer who forgets, but a doer who acts, he will be blessed in his doing. So James now, he, he's kinda showed us some, some bad examples, right? He showed us religion that's hollow, that's empty, that, that's, that's not worth anything. But now he says, "Here's you wanna know what it looks like to, to, to live in a way that pleases God, that experiences the blessing of God? And that's what he, he begins, he says, it's a person who looks intently into the word of God. And this word, looks intently, means to engage your mind. Right to, to focus in on God's word, to, to seek after what it has to say to us, what it means and, and how it actually applies to our lives. It's like my, my youngest son, John Martin, he just turned one years old. It's like when, he, this pick word picture is, is like when he sees a toy of his brother Judd's and he sees that Judd's not around. Man, he is locked in on that toy, right? He will crawl over things, under coffee tables, up couches to grab the toy and stick it in his mouth, right? He is consumed, he is focused. And if you take it away, you know, he just erupts. And and that's kind of the mindset is that we are to be, we're we're to be focused. We we want to get the word of God. We want to hear it. We want to apply it. We look intently at the word of God. And and so often that's not the case with how we actually view scripture. Right, so often, I mean, let's be honest. How many, how many of us will will pull out the Bible and and just make sure that our eyes hit all the words in a chapter? And then once we've kind of, you know, overseen all the words and whatever, okay, now I've checked that off my list for the day, right? I've done my daily Bible reading. No, he says, actually engage your mind, focus on the word, seek to understand. Or, or how many of us come into this room and 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 hear the word preached and we just disconnect? Right? We detach, we think about other things. And James says, that's not the way to, you're to approach the word of God. You're, you're to look intently, you're to engage your mind to understand what it says and how it applies to your life. And then he says, being no hearer who forgets, but a doer who acts. Now, here's, here's what keeps me from being a doer who acts. This is honestly what keeps me from, from going from a hearer to a doer is that I think that, that I, am, I am okay as long as I am willing to obey God's word, right? As, as long, so, so honestly, I think, man, if the situation arose, I would be willing to do what God's word says. It, it, I, I am willing to obey God. But the problem is, is God's word never tells us to be willing to obey. It tells us to obey, right? God doesn't say, be willing to help the poor. His word says, help the poor, find them, help them. It doesn't say, be willing to share the gospel. It says, share the gospel. It doesn't say, be willing to turn from sin and, and grow in holiness. It says, be holy. And so we can't settle for just, hey, I. I would be willing to obey God sometime if if the situation... No, we're called to be proactive, right? We're called to take action. And so many of us, we we struggle with what's God's will for my life and, and how do I figure all this out? You know, this mystery. What James says is it's right there in front of you, right? God's commands are very clear. Your response is simply to obey, to take action, not to be willing to, not to think someday, but to take action and obey. We see this in 1 John 2, 4. It says, if you claim to know Christ, but you don't obey his commands, you're a liar and the truth is not in you. All right? This is, this is hard stuff. So if you, if you claim to know Christ, but you don't obey his commands, you're, you're a liar, right? Your faith's not real. And here's what we have to see. We don't have the option of being followers of Christ, true followers of Christ who are spiritually healthy in following him and not obeying his commands. We don't have that option, right? It's like, it's like a person who buys a new car and they open up the owner's manual and in the owner's manual it says, you've got to change the oil in your car. And we say, man, this owner's manual is ridiculous, right? It, it restricts my freedoms, How can it tell me that, how can it demand that I have to change the oil in my car? Right? Personally, for me personally, changing the oil is just not a big deal. And so I'm not going to do it. What what happens if if you take that mindset? Your car breaks down, right? You have the freedom to walk to work. And here's the deal. God's words, the commands of Christ are, are... are like the owner's manual of our heart and of our souls. You see, God created us. He designed us. He knows how we work. He knows how we experience the life that he's called us to. And he's called us to obey his commands. Not, not just to make life difficult for us or, or just to hang it over our heads, but so that we experience the life of blessing that we's called, he's called us to. So we cannot choose both to have, think that we have a healthy relationship with Christ and disobey or ignore the commands of Christ in our lives if we do we'll end up broken down just like a car without oil and I think that this is where many of us are today is is maybe we maybe the issue is not knowing what Christ is calling us to do I mean my guess is for a lot of us that's like if we're honest, it's, it's not knowing what Christ is calling us to do in our lives. Most of us, most of us know that. The issue is that obeying Christ's commands is very difficult. There are some of you here this morning who have an addiction in your life. And you know that dealing with that addiction is gonna be incredibly difficult. It's gonna be incredibly painful. It's not a matter of knowing what you need to do but it's difficult and so you, you ignore it, you push it away. For some of us, we have a relationship that's incredibly unhealthy. But we know that in order to deal with it, we're gonna have to have a very difficult and a very di- painful conversation. It's gonna be hard and difficult and so we push it away, we ignore it and we don't do it. But what James writes is yes, it's going to be difficult. Obeying the commands of Christ are not going to be easy. But what he promises us is that when we face that difficulty, when we walk through the difficulty in order to obey, that's when we actually begin to experience the blessings of Christ in our lives. Martin Luther writes this, he says, a religion that gives nothing, costs nothing, and suffers nothing is worth nothing. A religion that gives nothing, costs nothing, and suffers nothing is worth nothing, it's going to be difficult. I'm not gonna sugarcoat that component. But as we engage in obedience, as we take those steps through the difficulty, we will experience the presence of Christ in a real way. We will experience strength like we've never experienced in our life. We'll experience the presence of God and the grace of God and the blessings of God in a way that we've never experienced them because we're taking the steps of obedience in spite of the difficulty. So we see here that we we must devote ourselves to doing what God's word says. And and there's two ways that James shows us that we're to, to do this, what we're called to do. And the first thing he points out is that we are to do what God's word says by carefully controlling our speech. Carefully controlling our speech. In verse 26, he says, if anyone thinks he is religious and does not bridle his tongue but deceives his heart, this person's religion is worthless. He says, there may be people, maybe some of us here today, that, that we, we, we appear like we're, we're good Christians, right? We, we do good things and people around us would, would say, yeah, they're a good Christian. But we're not controlling our speech. We're gossiping, we're slandering, we're cursing, we're revealing the truth of what's in our heart. You see, what Luke 6 says is that out of the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks. So you may look like whatever on the outside, but the truth of what's inside, the truth of what is in your heart is expressed and exposed by your speech. And what James says is if you can't control your speech, what he says here is that your religion is worthless, right? So if we're to obey the commands of Christ, we're to follow Christ, we must carefully control our speech. But secondly, we see that we are to do what God's word says by compassionately caring for those in need, by compassionately caring for those who are in need. And we see this in verse 27, which is like the exclamation mark of this passage. And he says this, he says, religion that is pure and undefiled before God, the father is this, to visit orphans and widows in their affliction. He showed us these negative examples. This is not true religion. This is worthless religion. This is hollow religion. He says, here's what true and pure and undefiled religion before God the Father that pleases him. And it's not what we would think. (laughs) It's not raising our hands while we sing worship songs. It's not leading Bible studies but it's recognizing and caring for the needs around us. It's taking that step. It's, it's doing something for those who are in need. And specifically, he gives two categories of people. He says the orphans and the widows. Now, why these people? And the reason is because these are the people who are most helpless of, of, to meet their own needs. These are the people who are, who are most dependent, right? They're not able to, to provide for themselves financially. They're not able to provide for themselves emotionally. They're not able to provide for themselves physically. And so they need someone else to step in and take care of them. And we see over and over in scripture that those are the very people who, who God's heart is for. Those are the people he cares about and he wants to see protected and provided for And literally, I could have spent the entire time this morning reading passages of scripture that show that God's heart is for these people in need. But I'll just read a couple. Psalm 68, five, God is the father of the fatherless and the protector of widows is God in his holy habitation. This is who God, God is the father of the fatherless and the protector of widows. Psalm 146, nine says, the Lord watches over the sojourners. He upholds the widow and the fatherless, but the way of the wicked he brings to ruin. And literally I could keep on going. God loves and cares for the widow, the fatherless and the person who is in need, the person who's not able to care for themselves. How does God provide for them? How is it that God actually takes action and cares for these in need? It's through his people. That's how God provides for the orphan in the world. That's how God meets the needs of those who can't care for themselves. And we see this again over and over in scripture, just two passages. Isaiah 117, learn to do good, seek justice, correct oppression, bring justice to the fatherless and plead the widow's cause. God chooses to use us and he commands his people to, to see those who are in need, to see those who are unable to care for themselves and to meet their needs. And this is what he says in, in this, this passage in, in James 1, He says, to visit the orphan and the widow and in and, and their distress. And, and the word to visit is, is not like what just happened over Thanksgiving. A lot of us had visitors or we went and visited people over Thanksgiving. And, and so in our minds to visit just means like to stop in, stay there for a while and then check out. But this word throughout scripture is actually used of how God cares for his people. This word actually means to recognize needs and take responsibility for them. It means to see people who, who are in distress, to see people who, who can't care for themselves and to take responsibility for them and to provide for their needs. That's what it means to visit. And ultimately that's what we're called to do. I mean, I mean we can't ignore this passage. We are to care for, we're to, to be responsible for, we're to provide for those around us who are in need, who are not able to care for themselves. And the reason we're called to do this, the reason we must do this is because this is how God has cared for us. See, the scripture tells us that every single one of us in this room are spiritual orphans. That because of our sin and rebellion against God, we are separated from him as father. And as a result of that, we are outcasts. We we are separated from our family. We are hopelessly lost on our own. That's the condition of all of us. We're all ex-orphans. But the scripture tells us that God looks upon us and he loves us. He sees us in our distress. He sees us in our need and he pursues us, not because we deserve it, not because we're lovable, but simply because of his grace and mercy. And he comes to us and he picks us up off the street. And the Bible tells us that he pays for our adoption with the greatest price imaginable. With the blood of his true and rightful son that was poured out on the cross so that we could be adopted as his sons and daughters what God says is if we trust in Christ if we place our faith in Christ then God welcomes us into his family we're no longer orphans but now we are children of God and he pours out his love upon us and we have all the rights and privileges that come with having God as our father we've all been adopted by God as our father and the evidence that that is true, the evidence that that's true, that you really have experienced this mercy and grace of God rescuing you and bringing you into his family is that you have a heart to express that same mercy and love towards others. The evidence that you really understand the mercy and love of God for you is that you see those in need around you. You see those who are fatherless. You see those who are destitute. You see those who are hopeless. And you care for them. You provide for their needs. You show them the love and mercy that God has provided for you. And I think the reality is that that all of us now, okay, so if we look at this passage, it's clear. This This is the command. This isn't like the exception for a few people. This is the command for all of us. We are all called to care for the needs of those around us. We're all called to care for the fatherless. We're all called to recognize and provide for the needs around us. But the application of that may look different, right? Some of us, this, this passage of scripture may lead us to adopt. For others of us, this, this may lead us to help provide financially for someone else who's going to adopt. For, for others of us, this may mean we become foster parents. For, there's all kinds of different applications of this passage, but we're all called to play a part in this somehow. We're all called to not simply be hearers of the word, but to be doers of the word in this way. And I wanna point us as a church in, in one way to apply this passage, one way that we as a church can come together and, and obey what Christ has commanded us to do in James one twenty seven. It's a ministry called Safe Families for Children. So I want you to check out this video about one family in our church who obeyed Christ's commands here by becoming a Safe Family host.
0: Reading the scripture, um, it it's so evident, it's time and time again, it's like, help your neighbor, help the orphans, encourage each other, carry each other's burdens. And it, and it came to a point, it was, it was like, this is not an option, this is what we're called to do. We went to an orphan conference and met Janet with Safe Families. And we were so drawn to it,
2: when we were first introduced to Safe Families for Children, um, you know, I had questions and doubts. How could I uh, help a single mom and her kids with have never had children? So I don't have any parenting experience. I said, well, maybe I could, you know, look, look back on how I was raised and use that as uh, a model for how I would interact with the Safe Family children. But unfortunately, I'm, my dad was. Uh, he was a, a mean alcoholic. My mom ended up abandoning me after she married another, another man and uh, ended up in foster care for a while in a uh, children's home. And I don't, don't mean to be talking about this so I can get sympathy, but it's more of God's use this to, to help these children because I'm able to relate to them. I can kind of understand where they're coming from when they have, you know, Nightmares in the middle of the night when they're in a new place.
0: He can relate to these kids, unlike any anything I've seen, and and I think it's because of that brokenness, and you know, and he, and he talks about how how God has brought all this brokenness together for good, and I've seen him be able to reach out to these kids in in, in such a tender way, and to be able to draw draw them out, draw what's breaking their heart. He understands it, and, and through that, he's been able to to talk through some of the painful childhood memories he's had and heal from them.
2: I had a lot of, you know, damage to my heart, you know, uh, holes in my heart. Uh, and what I'm finding is that every time I do something with these, these children, things that I would have liked my dad to do with me. You know, I'm feeling like God's working on my heart. He's kind of filling those holes one step at a time. So the more I do with these children, the more I kind of feel I'm getting repaired by God.
1: Save Families for Children is an opportunity for us to care for practical needs of kids in our community. Uh, There are many parents who will go through a time of crisis. It may be that they lose their job. It may be that they have a medical emergency. It may be that for whatever circumstances they're facing homelessness, or maybe they're in an abusive relationship that they need to get out of. And in all of these situations, the children are at risk. They're at risk of not having their needs provided for. They're at risk of not having proper food or shelter. They're at risk of being abused by people around them or neglected. And what Safe Families does is it, it takes these children and it provides a home where they can go while, while the parents work on, on figuring out their situation. And they can know that, that they're not at risk of losing their children because they're in a safe place and, and often it just takes a short time for them to get medical care, to, to get a job or to find a safe place to live. But this is where we can step up by serving in, in safe families it is that we can provide homes where, where we can host these children. It may be very short, a couple of days, a couple of weeks, or, or even up to a couple of months, but we can provide a safe place where children are provided for and ultimately where we can show the love of Christ. And there's many different ways that you can get involved in this ministry. Some of you may be ready to host children and that's, that's incredible. Some of you may say, I don't think we're ready for that. Well, there's many ways. You could, you could help provide meals. You could help provide childcare for those who are hosting. You could help provide diapers and formula. There's all kinds of different ways that you can get involved. But I would love to see an incredible number of people from our church gather around the children in our community. We, Foothills Church is, is leading the way in launching Safe Families for Children in Blunt County. It exists in Knox County and they're, they're doing a great job, but we don't have it in Blunt County. And so we want to provide this opportunity for our community, for Blunt County, where, where children in our community who are in need can ultimately find a home that's welcoming and provide for their needs. And so I would encourage you guys, however you can get involved, serve through this ministry. And this Thursday, we'll have an info meeting over in Kid Street at six o'clock. And uh, we would love for you to be there to hear more about Safe Families, how you can get involved. Uh, but right after the service, we have several people who are out in the lobby at a table. They have red Safe Families t-shirts on. You can go, you can register for the meeting on Thursday. You can ask them questions about Safe Families and, and how you might get involved in this ministry, but, but all of us, as we, as we close, uh, I want all of us to begin this process of considering, are we simply hearers of the word? Or are we actually doers of the word, right? Are, are we actually taking action and doing the clear commands that Christ has given us like he does in James 1, 27. And let's seek not to be hearers who have a religion that, that's just kind of hollow and empty. But let's seek to be doers who experience the blessing of God, who experience the life that actually accomplishes the purpose that God has placed us on this earth. And so let's pray for that individually, but let's join together in prayer as we close this morning. Father, we are are prayerful that we will not settle for being hearers of your word only. And Father, I pray that we would be a church that commits to be doers of your word. And Father, we see so clearly in this passage that you have commanded us, you have called us to care for those in need, for the orphan, for the widow. And Father, we are thankful that you have not left us as orphans Father, we are thankful that you have looked upon us and you have loved us and by your grace and mercy, you have saved us and welcomed us as your children. And Father, I pray that that reality would well up within us, that we would be so thankful and overwhelmed for for your mercy and love, that we would show that mercy and love to the people around us, that we would recognize needs and and meet them in practical ways, ultimately to bring, bring glory to the name of our King. It's in Jesus' name that we pray, amen. Thank you all so much for being here this morning. Be sure to stop by the Safe Families booth in the lobby. Have a great day. You're dismissed.
0: Thank you for listening. More information about Foothills Church can be found online at
1: foothillschurch.com.